Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and I want to welcome for the first time, we've had some scheduling conflicts to getting you on here because you are a very busy person. But thankfully, we can actually say at this point, Laura Sellers, welcome to (laughs) Discussing Who, formally on the air. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am doing well, too. I just got finished just a few minutes ago before we started editing our episode that will come out most likely, if not directly before this, a few before this time and the Ronnie, which I Ooh. got to hear Mel scream again. Yeah. That, that's a good episode. That, that is a good episode, but Mel screams, screeches. Yeah, she does have an annoying scream. Like, yeah, she does. And she seems to do it a lot, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, yeah. Screams a lot. And I'm like, girl, stop. Yeah. As in, give my ears a rest. (laughs) Just don't. (laughs) Just don't. Well, very, very happy to have you on here. We met you in Memphis. Was it? Wasn't it? Yes, it was Memphis several years ago. Now, this was at the... Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention. Yes. Yes. And we were both on a bingo. We were on a Doctor Who panel. And we've been on several together since then, but we've never been able to coordinate having you on. Welcome. Welcome. Glad to have you here. Oh, great. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be on. Big fan of the show. I love it. Well, we enjoyed being on the panels with you. We've also enjoyed talking with you, interacting with you. But for anyone listening that doesn't know anything about who in the heck is Laura Sellers, tell them a little bit about how you came to Doctor Who. How did you discover Doctor Who? Well, it's kind of um, a two-part thing. When, When I was very little... I remember my granddad watching it when I would be over at their house on the weekends, like on Saturday mornings. And I was like five. I didn't like it, but I remember it. And so I never got into it as a kid. But I guess it had to have been about 10 years ago. Has to be. I was watching a show called Eureka, which I'm sure you've heard of. It's beautiful. And they said, you know, coming up next Doctor Who. And I was like, is that the one from when I was a kid? I love, uh, you know, my granddad loved that show. I, you know, I haven't seen it in forever. I'll watch it. And it was Forest of the Dead. That's, that was the episode. I, I, cause it was, uh, yeah. And so I didn't quite understand what was going on because it's a two-parter, but I was just immediately fascinated by the whole concept. And so after that, Doctor Who was on Netflix at that time, and I went and I watched everything, and it has been no looking back. I'm still just all about it. So mm. so your first really memory, other than being childhood, you were introduced to River Song. So how could you not absolutely love Doctor Who after that? Right. Well, you know, um, you know I felt like watch seeing river you know i was like okay i'm missing something i don't know who river is and i thought that river would be some kind of big character from earlier like in the show that i would need to know who she was for that to make sense to me and so i went back and i watched from rose until it had to have been like end of season four because it was a sci-fi channel they were behind showing everything and 
I was like, wait, but there's th- th- there's no river song. Like, where does she come in? And so she kind of confused me because I felt like there was something I needed to know that I didn't. But now knowing what I know, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good introduction, though. I mean, because that explains a little bit more and gives a little perspective, I think, as to why we're talking tonight, because you're on for a companion spotlight episode and our companion spotlight companion this time is Donna Noble. So this explains a little bit to me. So tell me why Donna? What was it about Donna that spoke to you? I like that Donna, she's, she's not a shrinking violet at all. She is not afraid to give the doctor crap. And I like that. Um, she questions him and she tells him, no, you're stupid. And this is why you're stupid. And I like that about her. And I really like the friendship that she and the doctor had. Just they worked really well together. Just the chemistry between David Tennant and Catherine Tate is it's a beautiful thing to watch in anything. But I just I loved the way that she and the doctor interacted together. There was a real friendship there. And it wasn't it wasn't about romance or anything like that. And I liked that. I like that it was just platonic friends. We're just going to go hang out and have fun. And that's all there is to this. And if you get stupid, I'm going to tell you that. So I liked that about her. All right. So we've seen now, you know, even if we just stick to New Who, but we can go classic, we can go New Who, either direction, both directions, Mm -hmm. however directions we want to go. But what do you think makes Donna unique from other companions? What sets her apart? The moment that, again, because like, well, the first companion I saw for New Who was Donna, but... I wasn't versed in the show, so I didn't know who she was to the doctor or anything like that. But the moment that Donna became, I was like, okay, she's the one, was in Fires of Pompeii when they are stuck inside, like, the capsule. And the doctor puts his hand on the switch, and he goes, okay, if I do this, millions of people are, are you know, all these hundreds of thousand people are going to die, and we are going to die. And she looks at him, and she puts her hands on top of his And in that moment, to me, she kind of became his equal. She was willing to take on the destruction of her own people to save some in the same way he did with the Time Lords. And I was like, okay, she's willing to do what it takes to save everyone. She's willing to make the sacrifice. And I liked that about her. It showed, I think, emotional depth and maturity and character growth. So I I I really liked that. Me too. I like, I like how you described that. And you just said something a few minutes ago that I want to go back and touch on and elaborate mm-hmm. on. You said they had a very good chemistry. The two actors did, but you also mm-hmm. said that the doctor and Donna themselves, the characters had a platonic relationship. So let's take that a little bit more. How would you describe in detail the relationship the doctor and Donna had and specifically now that you've seen her entire story how would you say it evolved during that story well you know we first saw Donna in the runaway bride and like I said I started with forest of the dead um silence in the library forest of the dead those are the first that was the first episodes I saw so 
when I saw Donna in Runaway Bride, I didn't care for her at first. Um, I was like, okay, I liked you there, but I don't know what's going on with you here. So, like, to start, I didn't like her. I, not not at all. And then we got Martha, and I love Martha. But then we got her again, and I was like, okay, am I going to like this? I don't know. But, by again, by Fires of Pompeii, I was sold on her. Just, I think that we saw Donna really grow and change. Um, we saw her grow for the better. She became um, a better person for knowing the doctor. Her whole story arc breaks my heart because Donna had been told her whole life, you are good for nothing but, you know, getting married and being a temp and, you know, that's all you're good for. And she goes and she does something spectacular. And she finally knows that she's meant for more than that. And she loses it all. And it just, I think, I think out of all the character story arcs in all of who, honestly, hers is the most heartbreaking because now she is back to being only what she was ever told she could be and not knowing everything that she'd done. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It really is to me. No, it it is exactly what you just said, because I echo you. You know, I've said this before on the show with Donna when she was in The Runaway Bride. I didn't appreciate her on under initial watching. And then when I heard that she was coming back, of course, I'm saying, oh, really? Not her. And then oh. I wound up loving her. And okay. I wonder if there was a decision by Russell T. Davies that said, Okay, I wrote this character almost one dimensional, you know, one dimensional and a little ditzy and bland. What if I take that and make it into an emotional story? And that's what he did. Right. I just think, I think Donna had such character growth. I I kind of, um, it's getting off track, but you know, we have Graham in the, in the new series with the 13th doctor. Graham has had so much growth in these last two series. He's had great story arcs. I think Donna has had that had that same kind of character growth. And in The Runaway Bride, Donna had this one moment where she where the Ragnar says, shoot him. And she puts herself in front of him and she says, no, don't shoot him. And I'm like, you've known him 30 minutes. Like what kind of you know, what kind of person does that for a person that they don't know? And I, I didn't notice this until I'd gone back and rewatched it a few times. And it, it made me appreciate her even more, her compassion and her willingness to, you know, set things right, even for someone she didn't know. Mm-hmm. So even so, I think even then, even though I didn't like her at first, we saw shades of that in her. All right. So we have seen with New Who from mm-hmm. Rose forward, we've seen the families make an impact on who that companion is for the most part. How do you think Wilf and Sylvia contributed to the tapestry that is Donna? I think, I think Sylvia is the one that, um, I mean, well, we know it. She's the one that tears Donna down. She's the one that tells her you aren't good for anything. You, you know, this, this is all you're ever going to be able to do. And Donna believes that because that's, I mean, you know, you listen to what your mom says, you, you know, any child does. But and but she has her grandfather. And I think the best parts we see of Donna are probably her grandfather. I mean, you know, her compassion and all these things that we come to see in her are the things that, you know, we know about her granddad. Um, I wish that we had known her dad more because I would like to have seen what kind of impact her dad had on her. 
But mm-hmm. I think all the insecurity and things like that are things that have been told her by her mom. And I hate that for her because, you know, it's it's sad. It's sad that, you know, your own parent puts you down like that. And, you know, I think going back, there is a – you can find it on YouTube. Have you ever seen for partners in crime, there is some, some of the scenes between she and her father – that were unaired before the actor Richard Attenberry, I believe was his name, had passed mm-hmm. away that he had already filmed. Have you seen those scenes? I have not seen those scenes. I didn't know those existed. Now, I've watched a lot of deleted scenes from other episodes, but I didn't realize there was anything from Partners in Crime that was deleted. I, well, I will see if I can find that because I watched that right before, and I'll send it to you. But mm-hmm. I watched that right before we did our review of Partners in Crime. He did a very good job, but he had a very different take on the, it was the same lines pretty much, uh, verbatim. Of course, she said dad instead of granddad or, you know, et cetera and so forth. Right. But I think the story would have evolved very differently with right. it being the, you know, husband and wife as opposed to the grandfather and the daughter and the granddaughter. Because mm-hmm. I think we would have maybe seen Sylvia turn more into an antagonistic role, perhaps, than we did right. with it being Sylvia's father that they were living with. I, you, you know, I was always curious, you know, I've always, and it says a lot about me that I sit around and think about these things. But, you know, was Donna's father the kind of dad that just kind of, you know, was very passive and just kind of, you know, as long as mom's happy, you know, I'm just going to go with it. Or did he stick up for her? You know, and when and then when she lost her father, she kind of lost that figure. I I thought about that. And I'm now I'm curious to see these deleted scenes. So, yeah, it definitely I, gives I, a different light. I, I mean, it really, really does. Not a bad way. You know, it was just it was just from the runaway bride part. And it particularly it was when she was, on, you know, sitting out there and he was at the telescope. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's the scene that I can remember watching. And it just was good. It was nice, but it just did not have that same feeling that Wilf brought to it. And Wilf's fantastic. I love Wilf. Ugh. I wish I wish we could get Wilf back. You know, just I love him. I just really for a just for a moment. For a that moment. would be nice. I would, love, I would love to see him with the thirteenth doctor. I think that would be just beautiful. I, I think, think that- he would be absolutely giddy uh, seeing the thirteenth doctor. Oh, I do too. I do too. I think, I think he would, and I, I would like to think that Wilf would know who she was right away. He'd be like, doctor, I, I would like to think that Wilf would know, yes. you know, he doesn't have to be told. Wilf just knows. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. So speaking of the 13th doctor, and let's open the floodgates here. If you could pair Donna with Ooh. any other incarnation of the doctor, which incarnation would it be and why? Oh, goodness. Um, definitely not nine. They'd kill each other. Um, <laughs> they would. Like, it would be awful. Um, I would have to say seven or 12. Um, I really like the seventh doctor in the fact that, you know, sometimes he, he's very silly, but when he is serious, you, you are definitely terrified of him. I, you know, I think, I, um, I think he and Donna would have balanced each other out well. And I think I would have liked her with the 12th Doctor because he's got, especially early 12th Doctor, because he's very gruff 
and he's he's kind of he's kind of mean. But I think I think she could have really just kind of polished off those rough edges and been like, okay, dude, like that's the way you're talking to them's not not okay. <laughs> you know, yes. Yes. you need to stop. Where um, you know, I think because she's she's older than most of the companions. Or she was, uh, she was the oldest of the companions, you know, up to that point. And so I think she had, since she had more maturity on her, she was more comfortable with being, okay, you need to stop and think about this for a minute. Is this really what you want to do? Uh, And I think she could have been a good, a good person for him early on. All right. So I'm going to take it in a different direction. I'm going to actually pair her with the 13th doctor for the exact opposite reason. Of what you just said. And my reasoning is I could see her saying, look, I, what happened to you? You need to like what, you know, like, because the, there's a lot of times that the 13th doctor is, I I don't want to say passive aggressive, but not Mm -hmm. as forceful as the, her previous incarnations have been. Mm -hmm. And, And I could see Donna saying, you just need to go in there and blah, 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 blah. What's wrong with you, space woman? Right. I feel, yeah, I, I, I agree with that because sometimes I feel like a 13th doctor needs a push. Okay, go, like, go do something. Just- yes. And I think it would be comedic to see Donna saying, what are you waiting for? Go, go. No, that's, that's a really good thought, actually. I, I like that thought of her being the one to be like, okay, stop. You need to go take care of this. You know, we can't, you know, everything can't be happy and silly all the time. We've got to take care of business now. And I think a lot more would get done, honestly. Um. Oh, I agree. I totally agree. Let me ask you, if you were to ask, we've, you know, we've been talking about her story and the people around her. But if you were to name Donna's most unique quality, what would that one quality be? I like I like how grounded Donna is, how how connected to family and to I mean you know earth that she is you know she she wants to go back and visit her family she's not just running away without a thought for them like some of the other companions do she's like okay I need to go see my family now I need to keep in touch with them I need to they need to know what's going on with me and I like that she's grounded and I think that she grounded she grounds the doctor as well he he starts focusing more on what's going on around him but i really just like how grounded she was and connected to those around her and she noticed things she noticed people and she was very compassionate and i just i really like that about her all right so what would you say is your personal favorite donna noble story oh goodness you're gonna ask me that um Oh, that's a rough one. I really like, got you going to pick one. Um, I really like Fires pick two. of Pompeii. Pick, pick two. If it, okay. Is it, Cause it's I, hard with Donna. So pick two. It is. I like Fires of Pompeii and I like the unicorn and the wasp. Fires of Pompeii because we see her, we see her grow a lot in that story and we really begin to know who Donna is and what she's going to do for the doc in, in that episode. And then the unicorn and the wasp, because it's just fun. I have the greatest time watching that episode. And I, it's just, it's my favorite personally, I think out of that whole season, just because I like it. All right. So for me, if I were to say my two favorite Donna episodes, I Mm -hmm. think they would have to be, I'm going to give an honorable mention to the planet of the Ood simply because of the whole 
the Dr. Donna, yes. and then you come back later and really understand that mm-hmm. the Dr. Donna was not putting both of their names together. He was, they were literally talking about Donna. And right. I, I love that. But I think Turn Left and oh, that is a good Journey's End would be my two. Journey's, uh, Journey's End breaks my heart, even after all this time. You know, it's been how long? And I still, like, I get teary at the end of that. Oh, I me just, too. I can't. I, I, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's, it's beautifully written is, is the thing with Journey's End and Turn Left. So, so let's talk about Journey's End. Let's talk about that moment where she realizes that all this stuff that's in her head with the binary, 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 just had to say it. I had to say it. <laughs> You know, that no matter, and since, you know, I played this out for an entire series of our reviews, I've got to throw this in. So for all of those times that Donna had been saved, Donna Noble has been saved. and right. you know, Donna Noble has left the library, Donna, Noble has, Donna been Noble has been saved, so I can put that audio in there, but, <laughs> but, but we've come to the conclusion of her arc. And we see the doctor about to erase her memory. I know that there are people who had issues with the doctor, with her saying, no, 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 don't do this. And then the doctor still mm-hmm. removing her memory. Did you have a problem with that? And if so, or if not, what were your thoughts on that particular moment? You know, I really am watching that episode for the first time. And seeing that about to happen, I'm like, oh, surely, surely he's not going to do this. Okay. All right. No, like he's not, that's not going to happen. And then he does. It was shocking because the doctor is always the one. He will give you a choice. I'm going to give you a choice. You know, you can do this or you can do this. He gave her no choice. She, she, she had no option. You know, I felt like she should have been given the choice and okay. He doesn't want her to die. I get that, but isn't it her decision? (laughs) I mean, you know, she's a grown woman. While I understand why he did it, I don't like it because we can have a whole talk about consent here. She did not consent to that. She didn't want it. And the fact that he, he took her choice away really bothered me because fundamentally everything we know about the doctor up until that point was, he always gives you a choice and now he's not anymore. I, I felt, felt like that was, I hate to say out of character, but it, because I understand why, but at the same time, you know, I'm sitting there yelling at the TV. Well, what about the chameleon arch? Can't you use that? Like, you know, there were all kinds of things I think he could have done to fix it. And he just didn't. It bothered me. It truly did. And it still kind of does. I don't know. So I think they may could have presented it slash wrote it slash, well, presented it a little bit different. Chameleon arc, I absolutely love that, especially if you want to say that she's half Time Lord now. That mm-hmm. would make perfect sense. And Put make, the con- consciousness in a watch. Yeah. Why could you have done yeah. that? That would have been cool, and it would have also tied into something that they had previously done. I actually think that is quite brilliant. Compared to, but probably since this was one of the longest episodes and time-wise that they had already done, it was probably, we. there's only so much time we've got left to do. Right. That being said, I want to say 
that she did consent. And, and where I'm coming from that is he asked her about there being a human time lord metacrisis. And you know why there's not, has never been one. And she says, because there can't be. And so mm-hmm. to me, that's admitting I can't be this. I can't survive because my brain is burning. And if she is the Dr. Donna, she knows that's happening. And even whenever I watched it the first time, I saw that more as her just rebelling against reality of fate of whatever, not necessarily against him. Right. Right. No, I understand that. And then there's also um the school of thought, because I, I, I've sat around and I've talked about this with several other people. Donna seemed, she seemed to be okay until they dropped the duplicate doctor off in the alternate dimension. And then all of a sudden her brain is melting. What if they needed each other to survive? What if by separating them, we caused this problem? Does that make sense? Like oh, absolutely, two yes. yes. Two halves of a whole. So, I mean, if her brain is melting, because if if you remember when they dropped him off, she seemed stable and she's telling him, okay, you know what she's doing for you, right? Like, you know, you know what's going on. And she's making perfect sense. She's not stuttering. Nothing's going on. And then as soon as we leave him, she starts having brain function problems. Is that because... You know, the other the other half of her is gone. I don't know. It's just it's something I've thought about. And it I don't know. It it kind of makes sense to me, but I don't know. It It's interesting anyway to think about. All right. So I know that Donna being Catherine Tate has mm-hmm. been doing Big Finish. So there are some Donna stories out there. There are some Big Finish Donna stories with the mm-hmm. 10th Doctor out there. If you could be the showrunner of Doctor Who and you had the ability to bring Donna back, how would you bring Donna back in today's Doctor Who? How would I bring her back? I would. Okay. So, you know, we have that thing in, um, I think it's series, series nine, the whole me story arc with the 12th Doctor where he has the, kits where he can like put one in your head and you know you live forever right also with those i don't know why we're not handing them out like candy (laughs) nobody has to die today everybody gets one everybody lives everybody lives because nobody has to die um so maybe um maybe she gets a maybe the doctor gets a phone call from wilf and he's like something's wrong you need to come see what's going on and she gets there and she realizes what is going on? And, you know, she, she uses that or she brings her back to the TARDIS for the chameleon arch or whatever. And then Donna does remember and she chooses to come back, um, with the doctor. You know, of course, the first thing being like, Oh my God, what are you wearing? You know? <laughs> oh yeah. Donna saying that to her. I don't think she would forgive the doctor right off the bat. I think she'd make the doctor work for it. Mm. I think she'd be like, mm, no, like, yeah, I'll come with you, but you're, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have to work for you're it. You're on probation. You know, have, yeah, you're on probation. <laughs> and she would put the doctor on probation. I don't, I'm not sure any of the other companions would have the guts to do it, but I think Donna would. I think <laughs> Donna would put her on probation. And I think um, the doctor would actually accept the probation. Yeah, I, th- I think the doctor would just be so glad to have her friend back, Um, you know, 
because especially if you watch like the end of time, the cafe scene that the 10th doctor has with Wilf, that is a beautiful scene. It's beautiful. And you can see how much the doctor really misses Donna. He misses her. He does. Yes. And you know, and that, that, that's just heartbreaking. Just that, that one moment right there. And you're like, he does need her. Like she grounds him. And we see that in waters of Mars. He went insane. And I think that if Donna had been there, she would have been like, um, no, number one, no, you're, you're, you're getting, you're getting too big for your britches. You need to stop. Um, I don't think we would have had the whole waters of Mars thing. If Donna had been there, I don't think any of that would have happened. Cause I don't think she would have let him do it. Mm, I like um, that. I really I, like I that. Mean, because, well, well, think about it. The doctor, the doctor, he essentially lost his mind. And what, you know, where, what was he coming straight off of losing her? And he, she, she was the one that kept him grounded for all this time. And he, he had to send her back to a life that she didn't, you know, she kind of didn't want. And that changes a person. Sweet. It, it has to. Very good. Very, very good. And, and I know this is something that I did not put on our agenda, but mm-hmm. is something that I want to ask you. And I think you're going to quickly figure out. But before I ask what I'm about to ask, I'm going to say, if you have not seen series 12 of Doctor Who, put us on pause, go out, watch those 10 episodes, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. So tell me, question, summary view, what did you think of Series 12? I liked it a lot better than Series 11. I really did. I like the new master. He he scares me to death. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, as much as I loved Missy, I loved Missy. And I think Missy is still my favorite. But this guy, like, he scares me. I'm like, I'm like, okay, dude, like, I'm, I'm terrified of you. Step back. But was um, he not good in the fact that you can say that and he's really only been in what three, at uh, three episodes and yeah. the end of another one? Right. I, I'm curious to see. Okay. I, I also have this other theory and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. And I have told this to other people that the Time Lords, not all Gallifreyans were Time Lords. The Time Lords were a race of Gallifreyans, right? Right. And That's my so, understanding. So, so like, I, I, I didn't know if that was Ken or not. I told somebody that, and they were like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So now we know that every Time Lord had a piece of the doc, like, was made from the Doctor's DNA, right? I took it as there there was a ruling subset of these people, these ingenious people that were on the planet Gallifrey. That's, right. that just decided, hey, whatever Tecteum's subset of those people were, whether it was like a country of them or whatever it was that says, oh, well, we're going to graft your DNA or however that she did it. And now you're going to be called Time Lords and we'll be the ruling society. The ruling elite, as, yes. as you say. I feel like Chibnall's kind of trying to rewrite canon and saying that there were regenerations before Hartnell. I don't know how I feel about that because now we can just do anything we want. And I mean, I don't, from a writing standpoint, it's interesting, but from somebody who like is really into this and has read extensively about Canon, I'm not sure how I feel about it. 
because you're taking everything that has, you know, that has been said about this show for almost 60 years and you're, and you're telling me, no, 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 that's not how any of this works. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure I like it. I'm not sure I like it. Everybody has come from her DNA. We know that. So what is she? Like, what race is she? She's not Gallifreyan. Obviously, she's right. not Gallifreyan. So what is she? And so are we going to go search for her roots now? I mean, we keep bringing Gallifrey back. Like, we keep bringing it back. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about that either. It's supposed to be stuck in Tunlock. But, you know, we keep bringing Gallifrey back <laughs> and, and, and destroying it. Um, You know, that's one of my biggest pet peeves to think about Series 9 is that the Doctor tears the time lock, goes goes to save Clara, and it's not, you know, nothing bad really happens. And I'm like, no, bringing Gallifrey back should be a big deal, and it just wasn't. Now we're finding out more about the Doctor's background, and I'm not sure how I feel about now the Doctor's not really Gallifrey anymore. We don't know what she is. Yeah, it gives new meaning to the phrase Doctor Who, because we don't know. We we it, don't know where he she came from. While I am curious to find out where she came from, um, I'm I'm really curious to know. In the future, I hope we kind of come back to this for the New Year's Christmas special, whatever it is they're doing this year, because I think we're getting a special. I think so. Um, You're right. I'm curious to see if they bring that back, and I'm curious to see if Captain Jack will come back. Very well said. So I have one final question before we do our closing, and that is uh, specifically about the Doctor, because I know you're a big fan of Harry Potter, and I know you're also a fan of Doctor Who. So with Doctor Who, why is the character, the Doctor, important to you? What makes that character important to you to where you are invested in this character? Oh, that's that's a question I've never been asked. This is an interesting question. I guess I like the idea that there is a, an, an individual out there who genuinely is just trying to do something good. And I like that we see the doctor mess up, but the doctor does it with the best intentions. I like that there is that 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 person out there who does it and he has he or I say he she um the doctor has no like he doesn't ask for anything in return he just does it because it's the right thing to do and I like that I like having that figure as as a role model for myself and others um and I like to think that seeing the doctor and seeing how selfless the doctor is has made me think more about the way I do things. And because again, the doctor asks for nothing in return. Uh, the doctor doesn't even stick around to see, you know, for the most part to see the aftermath of after, after he saved the planet or the people or whatever, he doesn't really even stick around for that. He just does what needs to be done and goes. And I like that. I like that, that there is a person out there that just does these things because there's the right thing to do and they are not self-seeking or trying to call attention to themselves. I like that. Awesome. And and well said again. Well said again. Well, Laura, I have one final question to close us up. I know okay. as we are recording this, it's the 16th of April, 2020, and we are all in a global pandemic as we are recording. Yes. So what are you reading? If you could recommend for the listeners something that you are either reading or watching 
to help pass the time, what would that be? Well, um, right before the libraries closed, I had checked out all three of um, the class novels from the spinoff show class, and those are fantastic. They are really good. Um, I recommend those. And I also just started the first book in the Witcher series. Um, it's called Last Wish, and I'm really enjoying it so far. It's I'm about halfway through it, and it's well worth reading. I, I am enjoying it. And I just finished watching both seasons of Agent Carter, and I loved it. I wish that we had more Agent Carter for me to watch, but there were only two seasons, sadly enough. But it's good. Awesome. It's good. Awesome. Well, it has been a complete pleasure. I'm so glad that we finally were able to coordinate and get you on. The only stipulation is you've got to come back. Oh, done. Yeah, cool. just let me know when and where. Cool. I'm here. Cool, cool, cool. Well, for everyone listening, we are glad that you're here. I would also want to point you to listen, rinse, repeat. As one of the things with being social distancing and being in this age that we are now in is keeping your hands washed. And as we've said on previous episodes, these are little episodes that are about a minute long or less that you can listen to while washing your hands, and it is made in part by our friend and our inspiration, Shannon Perry. So, listen, rinse, repeat. And with that, we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.